Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Small State Podcast. My name is Beth Feldner, and I'm broadcasting here from Minot, North Dakota. And I'm Rachel Pishtek, and I am again at my office in Hillsboro, North Dakota. And, <laughs> and, uh, and we are joined today um, by Grant Hosschild. He was recommended by, it was Matt who recommended you, right? That's right, yeah. Yes. So he was recommended by Matt Purdue, and uh, we're really excited to have you here, Grant. Yeah, welcome. I'm excited too. I've, uh, I was just telling Beth before we got started here that I have taken uh, a little bit of my time to listen to some of your other podcasts and um, have really uh, been excited to just hear the stories of, of different North Dakotans and, and uh, what they love about North Dakota. And I think your premise behind this whole idea is, is really great. So um, I'm honored to, to join you and excited to, to learn a little bit about you guys as well. So thanks for having thanks. me. Yeah, thanks for saying that. You like research before you came on the podcast, so yeah. you better be really good. I'm just yeah, saying. like a true adult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. So uh, why don't we go ahead and get started with the, let's first ask, where are you now and where are you from? Sure. So I went to college here at UND, um, but I am originally from Imperial Cass County, Fargo, North Dakota. Um, so I grew up there and attended Fargo South High School. So you went to South. Uh, what part activities did you participate in when you were in high school there? I was in uh, quite a few things. I did swimming and tennis for sports. Um, I also did band for a little while, but then sort of found my passion for choir and joined the, joined the show choir my senior year. Uh, I did student council. Um, I helped form a gay-straight alliance uh, at, at South, which was at the time pretty cutting edge. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also a, a Harry Potter club. So I'm kind of a diehard uh, Harry Potter fan. And so we did a little high school and formed houses and it was uh, fascinating. So I love that. That yeah. is so fun. That is really cool. Fun fact, Beth and I went to um, the Harry Potter, what's it called? Experience, Harry Potter World. world. The theme park, yeah. Yeah, Same. like the first week it opened. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And no, I accidentally got mine for a ride. Yeah. My wife and I went and, uh, it is, it, it actually blows you away. I, I went in with low expectations. Like, ah, it's not going to really be that cool. And it's not going to look mm -hmm. like Harry but you get there and it's like, Oh my gosh, this actually feels like Hogsmeade. I actually am drinking butterbeer yeah. again. Like this is cool. You know? yeah. It was crazy. When Rachel and I were there, this is sort of sidebar. We'll get back to you, Grant, in just a second. <laughs> when Rachel and I were there, we were almost overcome a lot of it and looking back at the pictures by it we we look pretty distressed like 100 yeah. percent of the time like, like my cover photo <laughs> on facebook we just no. look we, we're just it was an off day and we got in in line for a ride we didn't know what we were getting in line for and it was just the um oh the one where you're flying on a broom for most of it yeah the like the, the intro one or whatever yeah, yeah it malfunctioned halfway through so we were just sitting there for oh, a second, it, like, it felt a lot longer than it was. And there was like literally a Dementor like in our face. <laughs> I will never forget that. <laughs> I closed my eyes for most of the Dementors part. I was so scared. Right. Everybody should go through like a theme park ride malfunction at some point in their lives just True so that. they can feel alive a little bit, you know? True that. One where they're not like beheaded or anything, but like no, just right. like a quick glitch. <laughs> just a stall. Yeah. 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 It's great. So, so here's a question for you guys. Since we all seem to be Harry Potter fans, what house are you? in you know yeah i do i've taken the quiz so many times right um just to test myself and my friend steven likes to make sure that we're all in the same like that we all are true to our answers too so even though we've yeah. taken it he looks over our 
our shoulders <laughs> while we take it again to make that's hilarious. to keep us that's honest. Awesome. <laughs> um, but I was a I was in Gryffindor. The first time you I took it, I was in Slytherin, yeah. and then Clay look or Clay. Sorry, the first time I was in it, I was in Slytherin, and then Stephen watched me take it again and corrected some of my answers. And three times I got Gryffindor. So, so he saved you. That's yeah, that's good. Yeah, he saved me. <laughs> How about you, That's of no surprise to me. Um, the first time I took it, I was in Ravenclaw. And I really want to say that I'm, like, true to the Ravenclaw way. But I, I took it a couple other times. And I know deep in my heart that I'm actually a Slytherin. <laughs> as much as I try to, like, I mean, that's not a you bad thing. to yourself. I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. But I, I know that I was, I know I'm a Slytherin. And I don't think that'll surprise anybody either. How about you, Grant? I am a proud Hufflepuff. Yeah. Oh. Very loyal, uh, yeah, <laughs> oriented. So, yeah, I uh, I have like three Hufflepuff T-shirts. I'm pretty sure. Oh so. my gosh, <laughs> that's awesome! Yeah, that's amazing. I do have a Gryffindor scarf, but that was back when we went the first time, and I couldn't not get one, even right. if I was truly something else. But now I am. I'm a, a Gryffindor. So there you go. Cool. What a, what a nice mix we have here. It is yeah, diverse. I'm sure it will add to the discussion. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> so let's get back to you, Grant. Like, uh, we, we don't know you very well, but, yeah. uh, love getting to know you over this. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like, well, when did you graduate high school and Fargo is much bigger than the high schools we went to? How many were in your class that you graduated with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I graduated in 2007, um, which speaking of means that my 10 year reunion is coming up. God, that is terrifying. Um, and I, I graduated with, I think about, gosh, I think it was like 550 students. So it was pretty big. Um, and part of me really loved it in the sense that, you know, you, you were always kind of meeting new people. You could, um, become friends with different groups, um, and, and not feel sort of, um, limited, I guess, for a lack of a better term. Um, but on the flip side, you sometimes get a little lost, right? And, and you don't have maybe as much attention from, from the teachers or, or, or uh, that sort of thing. So um, yeah, but, but great high school experience. Um, really enjoyed it. And still some of my best friends to this day are, are from high school. So uh, definitely a great place. Yeah. So you mentioned that you had a good time in high school. Um, was it an easy transition for you, I guess, going to a larger high school and then transitioning into a larger university or were you overwhelmed or how was that transition for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, well, I mean, first and foremost, I was not a very good high school student um, in terms of academics. I just didn't really know what I was doing. I wasn't good at math or science, so I wasn't good at like the hard science stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I felt a little lost, particularly up until about my junior, senior year. Um, then I really, you know, I ca- sort of alluded to this earlier. I, I became captains of my sports teams and I sort of discovered my, my potential a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but I was still sort of still scratching the surface. Um, and so when I got to UND, um, surprisingly it, it felt, it did not feel that big. Um, and, and I don't know, I can't really tell you why, but I think UND does a really good job with their freshman orientation. 
um, there was a program called Emerging Leaders that was for sort of students that saw themselves as, I mean, as it states, emerging leaders. Um, and so you were, you know, I joined that program and was able to meet a lot of people that I'm, I'm still very close with to this day. Um, I joined Greek Life at UND, which is really a strong uh, presence on campus. And yeah. so through that, you meet everybody. I mean, I met my wife through that. I met some of my best friends through that. Um, I learned sort of how, you know, tough, tough ways to deal with different people, how to manage a house, how to manage finances, things like that um, in Greek life. And so um, that was that was important. Um, student to interrupt you. Yeah. To interrupt you about the Greek life at UND. What yeah. what fraternity were you in? I was in uh, Delta Upsilon. Okay. DU. There is one at NDSU, I believe, but it's it's significantly smaller. Um, so yeah. Sure. Yeah. We have, I have a lot of friends who are involved in Greek life. You too, Rachel. Sure. At UND, yeah. which is not something I had offered to me. So it's always fun to hear, you know, how that helped during the college years. Yeah, it's really. Um, I mean, you get forty guys together living in a house, and you can imagine. Um, not just the stereotypes of what happens, but also just the managing of relationships, um, overcoming adversity, talking openly about issues that maybe you see uh, happening with groupthink. So whether it's um, dealing with maybe uh, prejudice, you know, comments or finance, you know, trying to get finances in order for that chapter house. I mean, you're dealing with issues with your peers, not you know, not people under you. And so it can, it can really teach you how to deal with the real world, I think, in a sense, because um, in the real world, you constantly have to deal with your peers and how you overcome uh, challenges. Yeah. So that was, yeah. And it, and it makes you closer, I think, mm-hmm. and brings people together. So I, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's, that's for sure. That's such a good point. I've never heard it presented that way. <laughs> I'm just kind of like overwhelmed. Like that was a really, that's a really interesting and very good way to put that. Um, so kind of getting away from like the more serious questions, we always like to ask, where is your favorite place that isn't a chain to get a meal in North Dakota? So by chain, you mean like commercial, like national chain? Yeah. Not yeah. a chain. Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I, I have two. Can I share two? Absolutely. Okay, so one, one would be the Toasted Frog. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of a little bit of a fancier restaurant. Um, it's in downtown Fargo, Bismarck, and, and started in Grand Forks. Um, and they have the absolute best appetizers you could possibly have, which is um, their fried pickles. That was mentioned in our last interview. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was the last. <laughs> yeah, so literally the I mean, best. This shows the you best. How, how phenomenal they are. I don't know if either of you have had them, but it is, yes. it is mind-boggling how great they are. Um, and then the uh, the uh, the one item on their menu that is, I think, not as well known, but still just as good are their uh, buffalo wings. So I would uh, I would encourage people to try those. Uh, the the second one, and this is probably kind of a stereotype for somebody in Grand Forks, but uh, red pepper is something that I am addicted to, and I don't <laughs> I don't know if there is some sort of drug in the meat or what it is, but I <laughs> like cannot stop myself from eating nine to ten tacos every time I go there. Um, it, it is actually a crazy experience every time I go there. No matter how many times I do it, I. I just am a glutton. Like I can eat, 
infinite amounts of food at that place. Uh, <laughs> it's just incredible. So, so then to kind of keep on the food uh, train here, which we've been recording the last couple of recordings, we've done it like five o'clock and I'm starving by the end of the segment. <laughs> um, the next question we have is what is your favorite hot dish is North Dakotans. We all have one. What is your favorite hot dish? Oh man. 100% uh, tater tot hot dish. Uh, my dad has been making me tater tot hot dish since I was, you know, a, a little boy. And so, uh, I finally learned how to do it, which obviously, as you probably both know, it's, it's incredibly simple. Um, but I make mine with corn, not green beans. I think that's a critical. That was in our last interview too. And I had said oh before, and I'll say it again. I've never heard of tater tot hot dish with green beans in it. So I controversial statement. Yeah. We're sort of taking over, Grant. Controversial statement, and I didn't say this in our last podcast recording, which, Grant, you have a lot in common with Aaron Oban Hill. So if you... Aaron yeah, Hill-Oban. love her. Love her. Yeah, Aaron Hill Oban. Um, yeah, you guys have a lot of the, of food similarities. So you guys should go out to eat sometime. Um, <laughs> the I've never seen tater tot hot dish without green beans. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. This is a weird... So both of you have... Neither of you have seen it the other way. Uh, no, right. and typically I would blame that on the because Beth is originally from the west side of the state, and right. I'm from northeastern North Dakota, and so typically I would blame that on the east-west divide. But Erin, who is also from Ray, said that she prefers it with green beans too. I mean, with excuse me, with corn. So I don't know what the deal is here. Also, <laughs> when we had tater tot hot dish in school, they usually would just omit vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> so then we just wow. did it there was no question that is awesome so just pure like cream of mushroom gunk cream of mushroom soup yeah ground beef and tater tots and wow. now i'm so hungry back to you grant sorry for taking <laughs> over. Uh, so i i actually have two funny stories about tater tot hot dish if i can Can't wait yes uh, go ahead so one of them and we'll probably get to this at a later point but i'll just i'll skip ahead i lived in dc for a while and so I worked at the Department of Agriculture, and every year our administrator would put together a potluck, and she would ask, because this federal agency had people from all over the country, and, and really some people from all over the world, she would ask that people bring like something that's related to their home. Um, and so people were bringing like gumbo from New Orleans and Texas barbecue and like Kentucky fried chicken and just like all this crazy stuff. Um, and naturally I of course made my dad's tater tot hot dish. And so I brought, I, I brought it and I bring it to our administrative assistant. Um, this woman who is a, is a, um, lifelong DC resident. So very East coast. And I just hand it to her and along with all the other, uh, potluck dishes. And so long story short, I go into the potluck and she has signs up for every meal so that people like, you know, because we're all from different places, just so you know what's there. And next to my hot dish, the the sign says North Dakota potato salad. And so I'm like outraged yeah. that. My, That's amazing. Yeah. That my tater hot dish is, is labeled incorrectly. So I go and take the Sharpie and I'm like crossing it out and I put, you know, tater tot hot dish on it. Um, and people are like looking at it, like what the hell is hot dish? Um, but I can tell you, and this is, this is a true story that my tater tot hot dish went faster than any other 
dish that was at that potluck and people asking me like how did you make that what is it um and and asking me about like the origins of hot dish and what that meant um and it was just it was so fulfilling to be like yeah that's right i mean north dakota hot dish that that's up there with texas barbecue and and gumbo you know so uh so i know (laughs) that was my my first experience with with uh presenting it to a broader audience uh the second one and this is a much faster story my wife is is sort of a health nut she she you know generally eats pretty healthy and uh errs on the side of of uh vegetarian and so when i made my dad's tater tot hot dish in front of her for the first time she looked at me like i was insane like (laughs) like made you know and she's from minnesota so she at least like generally gets it but right um but she's like staring at it and I make this giant plate and I'm just like stuffing my face with this hot dish. And she's finally like looking over at it, keeps asking me questions about it. And is like, you know, what is it? What's going on? And, and finally she's like, well, I'll just try it. So she like takes a little bite and she's like, oh yeah, it's, it's fine, I guess. Uh, and, and uh, you know, eventually the, the whole point of this is story is that she gets a giant plate herself and finishes it clean uh, and is now, now uh, right on the, the hot dish train. Yes. So. Good. I was going to wonder how you got married if she didn't like it. That's serious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, that's awesome. I might just make it on hot dish tonight. Who knows? It sounds yeah. so good. I'm so hungry. <laughs> okay. We can move on away from food for my sake, please. Sure. Um, you kind of talked about you kind of alluded to it a little, but can you talk us through what happened after college graduation? Sure. So I, um, I had been involved in, in student government. I was the the student body vice president at UND and, and I received a, a Truman scholarship, which I know other people on this podcast have talked about, um, which brought me to DC. So shortly after graduation, I, I immediately moved to DC um, for a fellowship. And, you know, the plan, uh, like everybody else, is to just be there for a little while. Um, and eventually a position came open at the Department of Agriculture, sort of a fellowship internship type position. Um, and I just started really liking it. I, I was in rural development, so I was doing, you know, economic development strategies and talking with communities all across the nation, economic development plans, you know, super nerdy stuff. And I eventually just sort of moved up and showed my passion and, and uh, drive. And um, I met quite a few political appointees at, uh, at the department, uh, basically people that were appointed by the Obama administration to, to work and sort of guide the overarching policy of the, of the agency. And I sort of started asking, you know, how does one become a political appointee? What do I, what do I do? Um, and it's usually for people that you know are, are politically connected or involved in, in campaigns. And so I actually took a leave of absence midway through my time at USDA and jumped on President Obama's reelection campaign. Um, I was a regional director in Virginia during his 2012 reelection campaign. Um, and so after that successful campaign, I jumped back and, and became a political appointee. And of course, when I was meeting with like the White House staff on, on sort of how to where they would place me, they're like, oh, you're from North Dakota. Well, yeah, you're, you know, farming and agriculture. So we'll just place you back there. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, that's fine with me, I guess. Um, so you sort of utilize, even though I, I'm not, you know, a farm expert or an agriculture expert by any means, um, 
you know, I sort of played it to my advantage and was able to get a spot there. Um, So after that, um, Senator Heitkamp was elected U.S. Senator from North Dakota, and I was asked to come and do policy work for her. So I jumped over there. Um, In the meantime, I had applied for a master's degree in public policy. So I, I did that at George Washington University. So I was doing going to work during the day and, and working on the Hill and, and working 50, 60 hours a week and then going to night classes at GW um, at night. And I essentially was a robot for two years, um, learned a, a heck of a lot and, and really did, you know, got a lot accomplished, but it was definitely one of the more stressful times in my life. Um, and so after I graduated my program, um, I wanted, I always wanted to, to move back to North Dakota and, and get involved in, in the politics of the state and try to improve the, the local communities here. So I, uh, I jumped back. So it sounds like you haven't accomplished anything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no. Um, so my next follow-up question, first of all, congratulations on all of your accomplishments. That's outstanding. Yeah. It's truly amazing and remarkable to me that someone um, with that background would want to come back and like help benefit our state. I'm very thankful for that and very impressed by that. Um, So my next question kind of leads into that. Um, So first, what exactly is it that you do now? And second, um, what was your fire and your passion for getting back to North Dakota and using your abilities that you had developed throughout college and um, your experience in Washington, D.C.? What made you want to come back and do that here? Sure. So, um, sorry, could you, what was the first question? Oh, yeah. What exactly is it that you're doing now professionally? Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Um, So now, yeah. So when I move back, I I now uh, get to do another passion of mine, which um, is, is, my passion for UND, my, my alma mater. Um, I really, I, I had mentioned that I wasn't a great high school student. And when I, when I got to UND, I, I really sort of came into myself and, and realized my full potential and sure. got super involved. And, you know, like I said, did student government and the Greek life thing and all of that. And so when I, when I came home, um, I, I sort of started delving back into my networks within UND and learned that you could actually have a career in, trying to uh, raise money and support, um, you know, your higher education institutions. And so I got involved at the UND Alumni Foundation and became, uh, I'm an associate director of development, uh, which is a fancy word for saying I do major fundraising for UND. Um, So I do raise money for scholarships, I raise money for building projects, um, and I just go around and I meet with as many UND alumni as I can and have dinner with them, talk about their passions, talk about my mutual passion, um, and then find a way to connect them to the place that they can make the most impact if if they want to and and have the capacity. Um, So it's really a fulfilling job because I just get to basically see my passion come to fruition through others, uh, others, people's passion. Um, And, and it's really exciting to, to connect people and make, make them feel like they're able to make an impact back at their, back at their university. Mm -hmm. Um, That's so, that's so interesting, Grant, because I feel like I talk to exclusively young people who have to raise money. I know Rachel and I both have to do it in our positions and, and hearing you talk about the way you do it, making connections and stuff. Um, do you have any, like, is being able to put your passion behind raising money for these projects? Do you have any insight into is, has that been fun for you or is it draining for you? 
Oh man, it's no, it's not draining at all. In fact, I can't imagine fundraising for something that I wasn't passionate about. Right. Uh, if anything, I think having the passion, I mean, because you have to make a donor feel like what you're telling them is real, you know, like I can't, yeah. I can't like sell them a, a used vacuum, right? Like you've got to tell them that what they're what they're able to make an impact in is actually going to make a difference. And by having the personal experience um, alongside them of, be, of having gone through it, um, of connecting with their mutual experiences. So if they say, you know, I was in the political science department in Gamble Hall, room one, I can be like, yeah, me too. And I had this professor and, you know, this is what I, you know, remember about it. And then they start talking about their nostalgic experience. Um, and it almost becomes like a joint passion talk, right? I mean, it's just like, you're just sitting there reeling off, um, your, your, uh, you know, the things that you've mutually experienced. And then eventually when you get to the point of raising the money or asking, you know, the hard ask for, for them to make the impact, it, it almost comes second nature because you've already determined that the person cares a heck of a lot about it. Um, and so I, I have found it, I don't mean to say that it's not difficult. It, 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 of course, raising money is, is always going to be difficult, but when you care about something and you find people that also care, um, as long as you're connecting it to that passion, you know, you yeah. should see the money come in the door. Mm -hmm. I hope that, yeah, I hope that makes sense. And I don't know how yeah. you guys feel about it, but yeah. I, I, I just think, um, yeah, I, I, I've seen fundraisers, um, not just for our organization, but, but, you know, all over where they just don't really have a connection or they don't um, actually understand the fundamentals behind people's experience with it. And to see those people try to raise money is, is, uh, it just doesn't work as well. I, I think you could be the most incredible fundraiser and know all the techniques and know all the right buttons to push. And I still don't think you'll bring in as much money if you don't have that, that fire. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was just, it, it was, there, there was a second question, but, uh, but it, I don't know if you had something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was pretty much answered. Um, the second question was why did you decide to, um, bring your abilities back to North Dakota? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, this is, yeah, this is a good one because I think, you know, a lot of people um, have talked to me who, who maybe don't know me as well. And they're like, why did you move back to North Dakota from D.C.? It sounds like you sort of had a trajectory happening there, that things were going really well, that you were in the center of the world, you know, in a sense. Um, and, and, you know, I going back to passion, I care deeply about North Dakota. I care deeply about our communities. Um, and I always have felt like North Dakota is a very community oriented place. Um, you know, people go out of their way every day to help their friends, family, neighbors, um, and, and even complete strangers, um, whether it's helping them get out of the ditch with their car in the, in the snow, getting their mail while they're gone, bringing them a hot meal if they're sick, um, you know, going to the church potluck for the, for the cancer, um, citizen in, in, in the nearby town. Um, you know, we do these things naturally and, my feeling anyway is that we don't do it just because of this stereotype like the Fargo movie where we want to just feel good about ourselves yeah. or like when I feel all warm and fuzzy that's not that's not what that's not what North Dakotans are about what it is is that we realize life is a whole lot easier when people have your back um and and I while I was in DC and and even a little bit while I was at UND started to feel like maybe North Dakota, at least as a government, was going away from that mantra, um, that we were starting to think more as individuals, that we were starting to think more um, independently. And not that independence is bad, 
But I just firmly believe that we're all better off when we have strong communities that support things like education, that that support, you know, um, um, programs for those that that need it most. Um, because then we're going to have less crime. We're going to have people that are that are happy, that are working together, that are fostering entrepreneurship in our downtowns and, and things that are going to make life better for everybody. Um, and, and so I was really afraid that if I wasn't willing to go back to North Dakota and try to try to, you know, get that back for our state, that that no one would. Um, mm -hmm. And who could I be the one to say from the bubble of D.C. that, you know, this is the way it is in the Midwest without actually living it and and trying to do my best to to, to present that message. And so so that's 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 why I came back. Um, and I, I've done my best to get involved in the community here in Grand Forks. I've joined young professionals. I've volunteered for for several uh, initiatives and, and, and organizations. And then I also uh, ran for the state legislator here in Grand Forks. Um, and unfortunately, I, I was unsuccessful this first time, um, got caught up in a little bit of a wave uh, unexpectedly. But um, but I'm still I'm still driven by this idea that I think I think uh, North Dakotans really do want to be in it together. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to, to continue that mission and, and uh, do my best. Yeah, that's such a good statement. Got caught up in a bit of a wave unexpectedly. I feel like that <laughs> describes so much about politics as a whole right now. <laughs> Which is so funny to hear and true. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But this isn't a political podcast. Uh, <laughs> the next kind of question is a huge question and uh, answer it as you wish. We always get kind of different answers and it's so such a huge and vague question. But what is your end game? What would you like to accomplish? What would you like to see in in your future? That's a yeah, that's a that's a, a deep question, a big question. I I think it goes back to to what I just said. I mean, I don't I don't have like a job in mind. I don't have a, a position in mind or or things like that. I don't I don't think really people should because I think it becomes more about you individually than about sort of the mission of of why you're there in the first place. Um, and so my hope is that I can find opportunities and grow as a leader in North Dakota and the Midwest where I can make a difference and where I can try to spread this message that that our communities are stronger when we're when we're you know in it together. Um, and so whether that's you know moving up at the UND Alumni Foundation, getting involved in in politics locally or, or at the at the statewide uh, level, um, you know I'm not I'm not sure, but but I want to do my absolute best to to accomplish what I what I believe would make our communities a better place. I have to say, as someone, I'm just a few years younger than you, but to hear, continually we hear people say, you know, I don't know exactly what it looks like. That is so comforting. Because uh, yes. so often people are saying, like, you have to have a goal to reach for. And of course, we all have yeah. goals we're looking for. But to know that um, for a lot of us, our our future job isn't a real thing and that we're looking for what feels right. I just love that. I love hearing other people tell us about that. So thank Absolutely. you. It, it's about the work. You know, I think sometimes if you have too much of a specific um, goal in mind, you forget about the work itself. You forget mm -hmm. about that mission of why you actually want that. Um, and so I, and I, and to be fair, I mean, I need to remind myself of this every day as well. It's, it's hard. It's hard to always buckle down and, and put your head and, you know, put your head down and, and do the work when sometimes you have, um, you know, you face adversity or you face um, a, a loss, but but I think um, just doing your absolute best and putting a positive foot forward is is what we all should should strive to do. 
Um, so with your speech about um, being passionate about North Dakota communities um, and the state as a whole, are there any places in the state that are you would call your favorites? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, I I love Teddy Roosevelt Park. Yes, I think, and I and I think it's. I guess maybe I'm from the east side of the state, so maybe it's not undervalued on the western side of the state, but I just mm-hmm. feel like not enough North Dakotans know about it. Yeah. Uh, not, you know, you hear about Mount Rushmore and and the Black Hills in South Dakota a lot, but I don't think enough North Dakotans um, get out to Teddy Roosevelt uh, National Park and really experience that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's a good way to, to get away and, and uh, breathe some fresh air, um, and it's beautiful out there. Um, so I, I'd highly recommend that. Um, some other places, I mean, you know, another Grand Fork stereotype, but but the Ralph Ingolstead Arena, there is just nothing like walking in yeah. and smelling the roasted almonds and the beer. And it's just the most incredible mix of aroma and passion for for a team that that I've ever seen um, anywhere. And so I, if you haven't been to a UND hockey game and seen the Ralph Ingolstead Arena, it's unlike anything you'll you'll experience in North Dakota, I think. Um, notwithstanding bison football. Um, <laughs> you can like both. I think people forget you can like both. You absolutely can. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's absolutely right. But that said, the Ralph Engelstead Arena and yeah. is still it's something different. Um, we, we have to stop recording these at five o'clock. I'm like dying from hunger and now I want almonds <laughs> and a beer. That's like, so true. Like literally those almonds, no matter if you've just left the biggest meal of your life, if you right. walk into an establishment and smell those dang things, you're starving. They're so they're, good. They're so, they smell better than they taste in my opinion, yeah. but it's amazing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That smell makes you feel like you're in heaven and then you mm-hmm. come and it's like, yeah, that's good. I mean, it's definitely good, but right. it's not heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, the other thing I would say, and this is more of a, this is not like a specific place, um, but growing up in Fargo, one of my favorite things uh, to do when I was young with friends was just drive outside of the city and start to get to sort of the farm fields and the prairie. Um, yeah. Get out of your car, sit on sit on the on the on the front end, and just look at the stars. You know, I just I don't know. There was something about that that was that was refreshing. Um, getting out of a city and, and maybe I don't think I, um, noticed it as much while I was in North Dakota, but when I moved to DC, especially just, Mm -hmm. just the idea of being able to get in your car, drive somewhere and have fresh air and open spaces. Yeah. See the horizon. Oh my gosh. It is just Mm -hmm. one of the most, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish more North Dakotans understood how lucky we were to, to have, to have that because I think it's, it's so relieving. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of can relate to that because I grew up on a farm in northeastern North Dakota, um, but I went to college at Concordia, and I still live in Fargo to this day. Um, and when I was in college, especially towards the end of like my college career, my best friend and I, who is also a farm girl, we would get in the car after like a long day of studying and then drive out to like Horace and just okay, we feel like at home, we feel comfortable, like we can see like for miles, okay, we're going to make this, we're going to graduate and everything will work out. So yeah, I haven't heard other people express that before. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? What, what, I mean, maybe you've, you've probably already done a podcast on this, but what is there, is there anything I should know? Favorite places? Favorite places? 
Yeah. Well, the state fair. Doesn't suck. <laughs> oh man, you're gonna hate me. I have never been to the North Dakota State Fair. What? Missing out. Missing out. What? I know. I know. It's I, so fun. I, this goes back. This actually, this is an interesting point that I wanted to bring up earlier, and I, I hope I'm not offending anybody. But growing up in Fargo, there is this giant bubble. Like, yeah. you yep. not you you don't care about the rest. I, I and I, <laughs> you just don't care about the rest. <laughs> you so think you're like your own entity, um, and and you. It's almost like it's almost like going out to Bismarck or, or the Western side of the state is a different, it's a different place. <laughs> it is. It really uh, is. We talked yeah. about this like several times because we're both class B girls. So to do anything, drive. we had to drive. So we, we knew where things were particularly like highway two. I could tell you every town on highway two East or West to East, mm-hmm. but like clay, my husband is from Bismarck and he couldn't tell you like Epping where Epping is or, Mm-hmm. Uh, Brockett, North Dakota, where Rachel grew up, and we just drove a lot more. I feel like because we didn't have that bubble. Like right. we were best friends in high school, but we lived four hours apart, so it was just yeah. such an it's a different world. And also in Fargo, we don't draw a lot of people from the Fargo market for the fair marketing. Uh, got deep, our own stuff cut going here. On. Marketing deep cut <laughs> here. There's a lot of entertainment in the world, and a lot of it's in Fargo. Right, right. You're well, and, and so I should a state fair too. Right. I, I, yes, I have been to the Minnesota State Fair several times. Um, Traitor. No, I'm just kidding. I know. I know I am. I, um, I don't know. They're different. And I encourage you to come, but I'm not going to pressure you to come. Maybe later. I, well. I, I, do, <laughs> I need to get out there. I do. I do. I um, I will say, though, just to to um, back up, I, I did once think that Fargo was a bubble and that, it, that you know, the rest of the state was wasn't as good. But... I have since realized that Bismarck is Bismarck and the Western side of the state is, is incredible. Um, there's a lot of great, cool things happening there. I obviously call Grand Forks home now and, and prefer it to Fargo. Um, so I've, I've, I've grown up uh, and matured and realized <laughs> North Dakota has a lot to offer. Some of my best friends are from Minot. So, I mean, I, I, I get it. So yeah. your best friends are from here. Cool. Um, the, there is an episode you asked if we'd already talked about this. There is an episode where Rachel and I went through our favorite spots in North Dakota. So check that out. People who are listening and grant YouTube. I think it's episode 1.7. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Amazing. Okay. So to kind of get back to you, Grant, um, one of the questions we want to ask, because we're hoping um, we get a wide listenership, but a lot will be young professionals and people in college and high school what we kind of want to ask is, do you have any advice for those young people growing up in North Dakota? Yeah. Um, I would say, and, and the reason I think I say this is because it's something that I have struggled with and it's something that I continue to struggle with. Um, but I would say if there's ever a time in your life and we all go through it where you feel like you should take a risk or do something. Um, and it could be something as small as like getting up and singing that karaoke song, um, or, or, you know, going out and, 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 uh, driving halfway across the state to meet it, to meet a new friend. Um, put yourself in, um, in those, in those situations, um, dive into the deep end and learn to swim. Um, because I think that you'll learn a lot and, and you may look goofy and you may, um, you know, 
it, it may not turn out perfectly, but I think the worst thing that can happen is you end up being 60 some years old and you regret not taking the risk or not doing the things that, that could have made you happy, the small things in life that could have made you happy. Um, and so I just encourage people to do that. And that, and that goes for larger things in life as well, like starting a business or doing something entrepreneurial or running for office, um, you know, whatever it might be starting a new podcast, like you guys did. Um, these things matter. And if you're ever thinking about them, just do it. Uh, just do it. And if it fails, who cares? Right. I mean, we all, we all fail. Um, I failed in my legislative race. Um, and and it, it just doesn't matter. Right. Because you, you learn a lot from, from those mistakes. It's, it sounds a little cliche, but I, I just, I really think no matter how small or how big it is, um, we should just do it. I don't think that sounds cliche at all. And I think that in North Dakota, there's such a set way of living your life. Yes. Um, being that you go to high school, you go to college, you get married, you buy a house, like everything, like everything's supposed to line up. You're supposed to get a job where it clearly makes sense. Um, you're going to go to school for this and then you're going to automatically be this like nursing, blah, blah, blah. Not to, not saying that those jobs aren't important. They're extremely important. Um, but I think that there's such a set way that there we're supposed to do things in the mind of the older generations. And so I think it's really hard for people, especially in, I mean, even in a school where you graduate with 500 people, it's it still feels really strange to go out and do something differently, especially in your formative years when the last thing you want to do is stick out, um, especially when someone might possibly laugh at you or think you're different than them. So yeah. I think um, even though it might sound cliche to you, it is something that it's really important for young people to hear that message, even in college. And even in your early twenties, I got significantly more bashful once I went to college and towards the end of college, like, Oh, why would I apply for this job? They're not going to want me, blah, blah, blah. No, I think that's a very important message to share. Well, and yeah, it's like, we all get into the standard operating procedure. We're all just kind of, we, we, we get to be robotic. And and I think Mm -hmm. Um, just imagine what the world would look like or imagine what our communities would look like if we all got rid of that nagging feeling in our stomach that stops us from doing right. small things and big things. We just, just, just do whatever it is you want to do, get people that also care about it and do it with them. Um, and, and yeah, I think we'll, we'll see some positive results and I think people will be a lot happier. Sure. They might be embarrassed and they might have some failures, but they'll be happier for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beth, do you want to get, oh yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> do you want to get into um, the recommendation portion and explain that? Yeah. Yep. So I didn't really explain this very well to you, Grant, but a big part of what we do on this podcast and kind of what we talked about at the beginning is that this is a really small state, and so we like to use our guests to give us recommendations for people they know with a connection to North Dakota, whether it's college, working here, or growing up here who would be excellent guests for the podcast. And so now's the time we'd like to ask you for your three recommendations. Oh, geez. Um, can I do like seven? <laughs> you know, why not? I don't know why we've limited it to three. No, well, let's do three. Let's do like three and then you can sneak four more in the yeah, that, that's <laughs> Um, So the first one um he's technically from East Grand Forks, but he went to UND. Um, his name is Brendan McCorrick. 
um, went to UND, played football at UND, uh, but is just a brilliant young person um, and sort of an economic brainiac. Um, he worked for President Obama's Economic Council of Advisors after graduating. He's only he's younger than I am, so he's got to be like 25, 26 years old. Um, and then went on to work at the Brookings Institute. Um, and he's now at law school at Northwestern. Um, but I just think he would bring some really cool um, national uh, background to, to, to it and how sort of somebody from, um, from a small town in, in, I guess, Minnesota, but from a small town can, can go and do some pretty incredible things at a really young age. Um, and would be a, would it be an interesting guest? Um, the second is Molly Spath. Molly is my best friend from high school. She, um, went to Stanford and has sort of a long career in, in tech. She worked for Cisco. She worked for Google. Um, she went and worked for Senator Conrad for a little bit. Uh, but now she works for Uber, uh, and does sort of the, the driving, uh, car, uh, stuff at, at the national level. So she's, she's working in the headquarters doing sort of the overall strategy and marketing and PR for, for them. Um, and I think, we should showcase North Dakotans that are doing some of those cool business things nationally. And she's, uh, yeah, for sure. Smart. She's, um, you know, she's a feminist. She's, she's, she's just a, a great person. Um, and still well connected to North Dakota, um, and would be a great person to, to talk to. Um, the third, and this is just to try to diversify the, the types of people. Um, but Joe Natwick, um, Joe is another good friend of mine from high school, from Fargo originally, uh, but he's now a pastor out in Dickinson, a Lutheran pastor out in Dickinson. Um, he is really engaging, uh, community oriented, uh, great public speaker. Um, and I think he would be kind of a unique person to have on because he would bring sort of this perspective of living on the east side of the state and now living on the western side of the state and trying to sort of organize a community um, in a spiritual way, um, and might bring some spiritual philosophical sort of, uh, aspects to, to the conversation that maybe other guests wouldn't, um, very dynamic person. I think he'd be great. Those all sound like great suggestions, very diverse in their backgrounds too. And that's kind of what we want to do. So that's great. awesome. Thank you for those. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah, that kind of wraps up this portion of the podcast, the, the uh, business portion of the podcast, I like to call it. <laughs> um, so the the last thing that we kind of do, because uh, we are constantly consuming as people in the world now, we're constantly consuming content. What we like to ask and to give our listeners is recommendations or talk about things that we're obsessed with right now. Um, so song, artist, book, TV show, movie, anything. And yeah, what we usually do is we go first, Rach and I'll go first. So you have time to figure out what you want to say, um, or you might be prepared already, but, um, yeah. Rach, do you want to start? Yes, I do. My obsession is April the giraffe. I'm so <laughs> mad at her. <laughs> like, I've been watching her, these stupid feeds of her. Okay. For some background, if you don't know who April the giraffe is, where have you been? Right. April the giraffe is rock? The giraffe. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> April the giraffe is this giraffe in New York who is pregnant with her 
fifth calf, I believe. Um, Yeah, and she's 15, which is usually like the dying age of giraffes in the wild. But I've read several articles about this because I've been so frustrated with her labor process. Um, But apparently in captivity, um, giraffes can live up to 27 years old. So she's still kind of a spring chicken. Um, But she is about to give birth while... The feeds have been saying any moment now, April will be giving birth. And it has been any moment now for the past 10 days. (laughs) And I am just so irritated. And tomorrow, well, this is kind of going into the future, but I'm doing some traveling tomorrow. So I'm hopping on a plane and I just know she's probably going to give birth while I'm in the middle of my flight. And so if that happens... I'm not even going to be mad. I'm just ready for her to have this freaking baby. <laughs> this has got to be this has got to be a record for the most amount of time wasted by the most amount. Of time, <laughs> seriously, right? I mean, seriously. No, every time I look at the video, it's like there's like ten thousand people watching, but that's been going on for weeks. Literally, forever. it has been going on for so. Looking long it's been going on for so long and i usually just have it like I, i'll keep it on for maybe like 15 to 20 minutes like i'll have it on i have a dual screen um in my office so i'll have it on one of my monitors sure. and then after a while I'll, like close out of it so it's not like i'm sitting there but i do have a friend who literally sat there and watched it for an hour with no other tasks i mean i'm sure he was on his phone but he sat and watched it for an hour a few days ago and i'm just like okay april let's go. And every day, like I update my friends, like, okay, this is what she did today. (laughs) This is the process of her labor. And I'm just so frustrated. I'm ready. I'm ready, April. Come on. Preach. I'm ready too. Good. Good. Remind me not to tell, remind me not to tell Rachel when I go into labor someday. Okay. Different story. (laughs) This can't last probably any more than like 30 hours. Oh boy. Let's not talk about it. Okay. Not pregnant, everybody. <laughs> Every time we talk about my future children, also I get hundreds of I get texts. Are you with child? No, I'm not. We just the like fan, to talk about blocking. They're like, what? What? You're having? No, I'm not having any children. Promise. <laughs> I'm not, not today. right now. Today. Currently, not pregnant. Okay, moving on from that. <laughs> talk about it too much already. Uh, okay, what I'm obsessed with right now. Um, one legitimate thing and one not so legitimate. So right now in the Minot Daily News, judge the paper how you wish on this fact, they run two crossword puzzles. So they run the Johnson, the Thomas, I'm sorry, not Johnson, anything. The Thomas Joseph crossword, which is probably a little bit on the easier side, simpler clues. And then they run the LA Times Daily crossword puzzle. I'm obsessed with crosswords. It's a recent thing. My husband and I do them together. He annoyingly is like always over my shoulder when I have them trying to put them together. <laughs> Because you have any I can solve? And he never can. I'm better at crosswords right now. I'm sure he'll get better, <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty good. And Wednesday, middle of the week, they're middle hard. They get harder through Friday. Friday crosswords are impossible. So um, yeah, crosswords are so fun. And they kind of they're a fun way to take breaks at work and take a few seconds to try to get a few clues and you're still using your brain. They're really fun. I have you ever crosswords. seen I think the New York Times did it. I can't remember, but I saw there was a newspaper that had it that a, a crossword as a Facebook Live like activity. Like it was just there, and they had somebody typing in the answers um, on the feed. But like you were supposed to like 
give your answer comment and give answers comment. yeah have you done it have you looked at it i haven't seen that but that's genius yeah i thought that was a really good idea and i was i saw it when i was at work so i was like i don't have the patience for this i don't have a patience for a crossword puzzle to begin with so i was just like oh that's cool and like kept scrolling along but it's, yeah it's a different mind frame you have to get in because they write the word they write the clues in such interesting ways but once you start to remember those and uh, remember the tricks that they use. It's, it's really fun. So crossword puzzles, check it out. That must be what I'm getting wrong about it because I, I feel like I'm a fairly intelligent person, but when it comes to crosswords and also trivia, Mm -hmm. for some reason I go in there like the most confident person ever (laughs) every time with my ego deflated. And I'm like, wrong. Like, why don't I know the words to this crossword? Or why don't, I mean, I'm average at it. I'm not like terrible. Just, yeah, I feel like I should crush it, and I don't. And so I've always, I've always there's, uh, lacked the confidence to, 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 yeah, to do well. Trivia, I feel like, is brain power. I don't do trivia enough to feel like I know any know any secrets about it. But for crosswords, there's usually like theme answers. Where like in the one I finished today, there were a bunch of words that ended in I, that uh, were the um, first part of a word, it's like Mardi Gras, Sri Lanka other one. Oh, okay mardi gras ends with s's on both ends yeah but they it's that what that's not how it that's not how the clue worked oh got it weird yeah it's uh, so strange no uh trivia that's something that has always been ingrained into my brain my dad grand forks reference my dad um religiously goes to trivia at the el rocco Oh, yeah. after UND women's basketball games and went there like from the time he was probably like 35 until this day. So <laughs> that's something that I've always not really been great at, but something that's always like understanding the verbiage of questions and phraseology. Um, that's something that I've excelled at, I guess I could say, but crossword puzzles, different story. The clues are written so weird. It's a strategy, man. It's yeah. a long time to figure yeah. out. Mm-hmm. but it's fun um okay so then the other thing i'm obsessed with which is just really quick clay my husband and i have been cooking more we've been trying to um just because we buy groceries and then we don't use them which is dumb so we've been trying to cook a lot and i'm obsessed with onions right now like i've added <laughs> i've added onions into everything everything that my mom's like use half an onion or use quarter of an onion i put a whole onion in there oh my it's so good it's so much flavor and i've I've been trying to think of what I can put onion in today. Instead of thinking about like, what would I like to eat? I'm like, what would be good with more with onion? <laughs> so we smell really good at our house. <laughs> Grant, it's your turn. Mine? Okay. I, um, well, I, I think it's been made clear that I'm a little bit of a political junkie. And so I apologize for, for bringing this into it, but I just have to, to mention because we're on a podcast that if anybody is feeling a little down about the last election or just sort of feels like uh, the things happening are, are just out of control, uh, there is a podcast by some former Obama administration staffers, um, some speechwriters um, and, and uh, national security staffers who have started a podcast called Pod Save America. Uh, and it is witty. It's funny. It's uh, progressive, and it, uh, it it gives me sanity throughout the week to just sort of listen to it and um, maybe stay in my my uh, progressive bubble a little bit more than I probably should. But it's a good escape. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd highly 
highly recommend it. Um, the other just quick thing that I've been into recently, I'm a huge coffee addict, um, but I've started and I've been addicted to, to Starbucks coffee specifically uh, for a while. But I recently joined the local co uh, food co-op here in Grand Forks, and they have all these different like fair trade coffees from all over the world. And so I've really gotten into buying like Ethiopian coffee and Kenyan coffee and Colombian coffee and all of these different coffees um, and just cool. taste testing and trying them out and seeing which ones I like. So I kind of want to become like a coffee connoisseur. That'd be kind of like a cool hobby to have. So. That's amazing. I would recommend when I've taken a trip to Kenya and we got to tour tea farms and then coffee farms and the sorting process they go through. And then we got fresh coffee take home and stuff like that. Yeah. I would recommend that trip. It was beautiful. And to see how they do all of that was so cool to see all the, yeah. the beans in the sun and it was beautiful. So I'd love that. that. That would be really cool. Yeah. It's really fun. Huh. Well, awesome. So now people who are listening, you have new things to obsess over, though you probably want to obsess over onions. <laughs> That's fine. We get it. Um, I get it. And I think that kind of wraps things up. We want to say thank you so much, Grant, for yeah, being to you. talk to two girls you didn't know for an hour. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, and uh, I love what you guys are doing, like I said, with this with this podcast. And, and I hope it goes well. Um, please let me know if, if I can be helpful in the future or if you'd like me to connect you with anybody. Um, be happy to do it. And secondly, if you are in Grand Forks ever, or frankly, I guess Fargo, cause since I'm there uh, quite often being originally from there, we should, uh, yeah, we should meet for coffee in person. So I yeah. feel like I feel like that might be something that ends up happening in Grand Forks particularly because Colin said the same thing is that we might end up having to record a coffee date and, and oh, see if we can make that into a podcast. Yeah, um, and we should do it at the co-working space. Yeah, yeah. I bet he hosts us. <laughs> yes. I'm sure he I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it is it's it's really nice. I, love I saw it. I saw footage from the grand opening a few last week. When was it? Last week? Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. It yeah, it looks phenomenal. It really so excited it, for Grand Forks. I agree. Yep. It's, maybe this maybe this fall I'll have to make it over there. I don't see it happening before <gasps> fair time, but you guys update. April has lifted her tail. I just put it back on. She oh might just be going to the bathroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we have to end with that. We will wrap up the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you, you, Grant. Um, everybody who's listening, thank you for coming. Thank you for downloading the podcast to listen to it. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere we might be. If you search for Small State Podcast or Small State ND. Um, Rachel and I are also on the interweb. So if you find us, we've probably shared a link or two about it. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Search for Small State Podcasts and there will be. Thanks for listening. Make sure you review, subscribe, download. Thanks. And with that, we'll say goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>